God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you today. We pray, O Lord, thank you that you love us so much. Through your Son, Jesus, you're truly the God of love. Amen. Well, things have changed a lot, rapidly, in our lives. The last time I was here leading worship a few months ago, things were totally different. Since then, wow, what we've been through. Protests, riots, destruction of downtowns and cities, evil around us, COVID-19, sickness, death, lockdowns, schools closed, confusion whether they have school or not, and school in session, shelter in, church attendance limited. Wow, what we've been through. What's the future hold? People being shot, people being all kinds of persecution. Then there's Hurricane Laura, and then there's all this touchless society. Can't touch one another, can't shake hands, can't give a hug, got to stay five feet away or six feet or whatever. Maybe we should just forget all this stuff and take the mask off and forget how many people we can have in church and just move on. But wait a minute, that wouldn't work either because that would be exposing people to a germ, maybe. So then we want to be cautious. So we want to follow the rules. Five feet, six feet, mask. Where do we go from here? Political parties fighting among themselves. Fires burning in, our, in the West. It's just, it just seems to be so destructive, so evil. Well, it is evil. A lot of demonic forces at work. The devil is at work. So how do we live in this culture? How do we live after this news day after day that finally you don't want to even hear the news? I'm tired of hearing it. Turn it off. Turn the TV off. Quit listening. It's not good. Not good news. Portland riots every night. I mean, where's it going? It's getting confusing. But in the midst of this, I want to talk to you about God's love. I want to reassure you that God is love. God is love, amen. That's going to be the theme for the next three weeks. And we're going to take three parts. Today we're going to talk about Jesus loves me. Next week, Jesus loves you. And then in two weeks from today, Jesus loves others. So we'll take a three-part series about God's love. So let me read to you this passage in 1 John chapter 4, where John writes, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Ah, right there it is. God is love, it says. Yes. God is love. So we'll do a little different this time in this sermon. I'm going to say God is love, and then I want you to say amen. So if I go God is love and put my hand out, you say amen. Amen means it's so. I believe it. It's true. Okay, let's try it. God is love. Amen. 
It's really true. Now we're going to add to the phrase today in this service, Jesus loves me. Amen. And we'll try that. Jesus loves me. Amen. Now the question. Do I really understand the love of God in Jesus? Do I understand it? Does Jesus really love me? Now maybe you can relate this to yourself. I'm going to talk to myself in this sermon. When we look around us, and sometimes our own lives, and my life too, we find ourselves to be lonely at times and all this that's going on out there. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. There's the three D's we hear about. Depressed, discouraged, and defeated. Yep, depressed, discouraged, and defeated. They tell suicide rates are up, depression is up, home violence is up, all because we're going through all this, what's happening out there around us. So do I understand the love of God? You see, in reality, all of these can be changed by knowing God's love for us. That's the key to how we live in the society. Now I know some people are difficult to love, right? You've got people that you find hard to love, and then we all go through that perhaps. And so we fail in loving others, but we're called to, be, to love God above all things and love our neighbor as ourselves. And you know something? I cannot give away what I don't have. If I don't have love, I cannot give it away. I can't give it to you. You can't give it to somebody else. So I have to have love. God's love. That God indeed is the God of love. It's easy to love others when we receive God's love. That's the key to understanding. When we have God's love in us through Jesus Christ, then we can love others. But if we don't have that love, we can't love others. Galatians 5.6 has something interesting. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Think of that, what Paul says in Galatians. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. In other words, faith works by love. You've got to have love. And when you have love, God's love, faith works. But faith does not work unless you have love. And sometimes we don't make that correlation, or maybe I don't. I don't know about you. But you see, what I need to do as a person, I need to seek a greater revelation of God's love for me. I need to experience that love of God that he has for me. And as I open up to God's love, my faith works. My faith is there. I want to read you a passage from Ephesians chapter 3 where Paul writes these words in chapter 3 of Ephesians beginning at the 14th verse. He's praying. This is a prayer for the Ephesians. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded, notice this, in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
Wow. Filled with the fullness of God in the love of Christ Jesus. Get it? Understand it? Believe it? Maybe that's a struggle we have. Listen to 1 Corinthians 13, 13. You know this passage by heart. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love, right? You see, in heaven you're not going to need faith and hope. So I'll be taken care of. But love will be there. The greatest is love. And faith expresses itself through love. But Satan doesn't want me to have that. You see, Satan is constantly bombarding me about God, love. It's not for me because I'm not good enough. Satan tries to convince me that I don't deserve God's love. And I have to deal with that. Satan wants us to think we have to earn the love of God. We've got to be good. We've got to behave ourselves. And the better I behave, the more God will love me. And if I don't behave, God won't love me and take care of me. We have to do something to merit the love of God. That's what Satan tries to deceive me with. But the good news is that we keep proclaiming Sunday after Sunday and you study during the week when you read your Bibles or pray to hear the good news, the gospel, is that I don't get what I deserve. I deserve hell. I deserve separation from God forever. But praise the Lord, God indeed is different. Because God is love. Amen. And Jesus loves me. Amen. That's the good news the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so God's love is what I need to hear. It's unconditional. Now we say that from time to time, but do we really grasp that? I don't know that I do sometimes. I'm not sure of that sometimes, I guess. Because you see, love is not because I do something good. It's not something I have done, but I try to maybe work on that sometimes. He loves me because simply this good news, God is love. Amen. God does not love me because I came here to worship today, or because I'm preaching a sermon to you today, or because you're sitting here. God does not love me because I read the Bible during the week. God does not love me necessarily because I helped others this week or prayed for other people. You see, I can easily get the cart before the horse. You know the expression, cart before the horse. You put a cart before the horse, you're not going to go anywhere. The horse can't do anything. You put the cart behind the horse, and the horse can pull the cart. The cart in front of the horse won't work. And when God, I try to put my merit before things, before God, to get my, it won't work. You see, people need to seek to know God better through love, not trying to be good. I can't get there by trying to be a good guy, trying to be a good husband, father, grandfather, whatever. I need a greater revelation of God's love. That's what I need. I need to experience God's love more. And that will produce then a holy life. That's how it works with the horse in front of the cart. Experiencing the love of God more. Not trying to be good, 
but to experience his love. Now, where do I experience that love? That's the big question. How do I know God loves me? For a greater revelation of love, I have to go somewhere. Where? To the cross. To the message of Jesus Christ on the cross. A death instrument. I have to go to a death instrument, a cruel death instrument, and to a suffering and dying Jesus. Man, that's what Paul said in Ephesians, how wide, how deep, how deep and high is the blood of God, the love of God, the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus loves me, this I know, because what? The Bible tells me so, yes. Now, of course, I have to believe the Bible, and I have to be in the Bible. I have to read its word. I have to hear, you see, sometimes we say the Bible, of course, you've heard this expression, it's God's love letter to us, and it is. It's about God's love. One of the, one of the uh, words that the Bible uses frequently is love. And depending on the translation you use, it can anywhere between 350 to 500 times it's in the Bible. But love is the key word of the Scriptures, Old and New Testament. It's about God's showing his love to his people, to you and to me. God loves me. There's a story of the church that uh, wanted to grow its attendance and improve its uh, community standing. And so they hired a powerful advertising agency to tell them how do, can we make this church more vital and more attractive to people. So this person came in to study the church and to make recommendations. And the strange thing was, Here's the, one of the major recommendations he made to the church. After he'd been to the church and studied it and went through the building and so forth, he said to them, get rid of the crosses. You've got crosses on the top of the church. You've got crosses in the church. He says, you've got to get rid of those things. That's a negative message, especially to younger worshipers. Get your crosses out of the church. Really some kind of advice, isn't it? But he didn't understand. Didn't understand who we are. It's the message of our faith. It's the symbol of our faith. We have crosses. A cross in the church, a cross out there on the steeple. I'm wearing a cross. It's a symbol of God's love, God's hope, God's forgiveness, God's mercy. Wow. It's about love. Yes, it's a death instrument. It's a cruel instrument. But that's what my Savior did for me. He took my sins and his suffering and death, and as Peter says it in the note, and Isaiah says that by his stripes we are healed. By his stripes we have forgiveness of our sins. And we have the assurance of a God who loves us. You know, businesses have logos. We're all familiar with them. The corporate logos, when you see the logo, you know what the business is. It's a brand identity, they call it. Know your brand. Identify your brand so that people want to stop and shop or stop and eat. When you see a red round circle, you know it's Target's there. If you see that Walmart and a little yellow posy in the middle, you know it's Walmart. Or if you're going down the freeway or down the highway and you see that big golden archer standing way up above the trees, you know it's McDonald's. Hey, place to get something to eat. Or Chick-fil-A with a little chicken head in the circle, all logos to persuade people to come in and participate in what is inside 
Our logo, the cross. Come to Jesus. Find forgiveness. Find love. I find Jesus' love for me at the cross. Jesus loves me. Amen. Wow. But that's costly grace. That is really costly. We have to understand that. Scripture readings today talk about that. Both the epistle lesson talks about love and the gospel lesson talks about the cross. God's Son paid the price for me. I am bought at a price. God gave his Son for me. Wow. God is a merciful God. I can't exist without the message of the cross. We can't take the cross out of our churches. We can't remove the crosses because then our church would become like a house of cards and we collapse. No cross, no Savior. No cross, no salvation. But there's a cost. And it isn't always easy, as we saw and heard in the gospel today. Bob Hodges, a Presbyterian minister, wrote a little article about a situation he had to illustrate a point to one of his new members. He was in Tennessee, and he went, took his new friend out, this new member that turned his life over to the Lord, uh, duck hunting on Cherokee Lake. As they were out there sitting in the boat, waiting for some ducks to come over, the new member said to the pastor, you know, since I became a Christian, life's getting difficult. He says, my friends ridicule me. They want me to come back to the old way of living and go out and carouse with them. And you know, he said, it's pretty tempting. Why am I having so much trouble, he asked the pastor. I'm having a struggle. Well, the pastor used an illustration as they were sitting there duck hunting. He said, suppose a couple of ducks start flying over and you take your shotgun and shoot, and you hit both of them, but one of them dies and falls into the lake, and the other one's wounded and falls into the lake also, but wounded and living. And you get in the boat and go out there to pick up the ducks. Which one do you pick up first? Well, he said, I would go to get the one that's wounded first. Why? He said, because, well, the dead one's just floating out there. He's not going to go anywhere. Pastor says, that's the way it is with the devil. He's not going to bother with those who are already dead in their sins. Why does he? Why should he? He'll bother with those that are wounded and searching and trying to find life and trying to put things together. You see, the devil makes it hard on us to follow Jesus. Jesus says, take up your cross. Not that you have to suffer on a cross, but you have to take the persecution, whatever comes your way. We must lose our life, it says in the gospel, for Jesus. And when you lose your life, you will find it. I find my life in Jesus. I find my life in the good news about God, his love, and his son, Jesus. And yes, that old song that we just sang before the sermon, truly, when you sang it in Sunday school growing up, if you were going to Sunday school as a child, and sing it now, it's so meaningful. 
And it's true. Jesus loves me, this I know. The Bible tells me so. In God's word, we must find this wonderful love. I find God's love. I know that God loves me through his son, Jesus. So I can say, and hope you can say, God is love, amen. Jesus loves me, amen. May the love of Christ prevail in all our hearts. And next week, may we look at Jesus loves you and what that means. God bless you with his love and his precious name. Amen.